This program is brought to you by Bible Media, under the oversight of the elders of the Chip and Roll Congregation in Lee Summit, Missouri. Okay, until Judges chapter 7, we're going to be looking at, uh, we'll be using the New King James primarily when I do Bible studies. Uh, I use either the King James or the New King James. I like to compare the two. I do the same thing when I teach with OABS, and so I'll be doing that here today as well. And so again, I would have liked to to share this on the screen with you, but uh, that's not going to happen as I would like it to. And so you have to follow along with me. Judges chapter 7, and looking at verse uh, verse 8 here, and uh, actually it's verse 8, uh, because in the verse 7 we have the 300 men uh, will be the ones who's going to serve with him. As the New King James words it, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you. Deliver the Mennonites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his own place. And so this is what we'll be looking at today, picking up here in verse uh, in verse 8. Now, as we do this, I'm going to move a few things here around so I can see this a little bit better. And so that when you're looking at me, you're not looking at the side of my head. All right. Move over here. Okay. Okay, so... Now, looking at um, verse not, verse 8 here, moving forward, Judges chapter 7. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands and sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was, was below him in the valley. And so, again, we have 300 men, and they're going to take on this... Uh, this army, this this army who's below him, the camp of Midian, who was below him in the valley there in verse 8. If you remember the reason for this, the reason they went down from the 32,000 down to the 300, uh, part of that is in part, at least, but it does mention there specifically, uh, the 300 people is because uh, he didn't want anyone to say that they have, have had this victory in of themselves that they are the ones who were able to, to have this victory. They had nothing to do uh, with God. They know that it was their power. But but when you go down from 300 to all the way down to 300 people, and you're fighting a massive army, as we'll find out later, uh, there's over 120,000 people. And so if you say 300 people overtook 120,000, something is definitely going on. Either they have tremendous nuclear power back in biblical times, or God is with them. Well, they had not, nothing to do with their physical might or their weaponry. It was that God was with them. And as you look at verse 9, the Bible says, It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. So the same night that they have, have dwindled their army down to 300, they're to go down to this camp to spy it out. You know, it's interesting that you'll find the numerous times in the Bible you find that they are people who are wise and who have God with them will spy out things. That is, they will go out and they'll check things out and see to get a look at how things are before they go out into battle. And so they prepare themselves, right? Let me find in verse 10, uh, the Bible says, But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with, with Pura, your servant. And I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. And so, and Bible tells us here. So, verse nine, you're going to go down against the against the go down against the camp. I deliver into your hand. Meaning, God has has given has decided you're going to be able to overcome this to defeat this army. And then he says in verse ten, if you are afraid, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant. And so, this was not a way for them to to get out of. This was not a way for him to to get out of this. For getting to get out of this, you know, fear was not a good enough excuse. 
that's something for us to remember in various aspects of our life, uh, especially in, in regards to our faith in God. Fear is not something that should keep us from doing anything. And here we find uh, it was uh, Gideon who was to bring someone with him if he was afraid, right? Looking there at verse uh, 9 and 10. Now we look here at verse 11. And you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pierre his servant to the outpost of the armed, of the armed men who were in the camp. And so what we find here is when, he's, when he goes down to the camp, he's going to hear something. Something's going to happen that's going to cause him to be encouraged. As the New King James says there, she'll be strengthened, uh, your hand shall be strengthened. Well, how is it when you're a, a, a leader over an army of 300 people going up an army of thousands and thousands and thousands, what could you possibly see and what could possibly happen when you go down the spout of the camp that could encourage you? I'm not sure what that would be other than what we find here. Um, even an army who is who is not the strongest army in the world, who's, who's a little bit weak, if they're massive in numbers, numbers has a big deal to do with it. You can have a massive amount of people who don't know what to do or who are very uh, uh, novice soldiers, but if there's, there's enough of them, it doesn't really matter. And so the numbers, it's not like he's going to go down to this valley and all of a sudden see the army is actually smaller than what, what they thought. We find in verse 12, notice this. Now the Midianites, the Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. And their camels were without number, as the sand by the seashore in multitude. This tells you that this was a huge group of people, a huge massive amount of people. Uh, he says there in verse uh, 12, As numerous as locusts, uh, their camels were, were without number, and the sand, as the sand by the seashore. So three different ways he's used to describe that there were so many of them, you almost it was almost as if you couldn't count them. You know, if they were they were four or five hundred, they might be able to count them, right? But he says because they are numerous as locusts, because their camels were, were without number, as a sand by the seashore. Three different ways he used to describe that this as a massive army that's so large they couldn't possibly sit there and count them all at, the, at that time. Now look at verse thirteen. And when Gideon had come, had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. And he said, I have, a, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it, so that it fell and turned over, and the tent collapsed. Okay, now first off, before we can go into what he's talking about here, how close were Gideon and his servant? How close do you have to be to hear someone speaking? 20 feet? I don't know how loud these people were, were, were talking. It would seem they're probably, I'd say, just guessing, making no real reason behind this. I'd say they're probably within at least 20, 30 feet of them, hearing what they're saying. That's pretty close to be to be next to these people who are part of this massive army. So they're pretty close. So this servant must have really been encouragement to Gideon, or Gideon decide, decided with his servant he wasn't quite so afraid as before. But nonetheless, they were pretty close. I'd say, again, within 20 or 30 feet of them. Um, just my speculation, okay? So they're very close, and they're hearing what these people are saying. He's hearing verse 13, word for word, what he's saying, right? And what are they saying? I have, one of them tells his companion, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled to the camp of Midian, and it came to a tent, and it struck it so that it fell and overturned, and, and the tent collapsed. Now, uh, one commentator says here, I want to point this out about the barley. He says a loaf of um, 
Uh, Barley was, was tumbling into the camp and beating him, smashing a tent before it. Uh, his companion interpreted that dream without a moment's hesitation. Since the Israelites were grain farmers, the barley loaf represented the, the sword of Gideon. And God, God had given Midian and the camp into the hand of Gideon. As we'll see in verses 13 and 14, right? Look at verse 14, the very next verse. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon. And the son of Joash, a man of Israel, into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. So you think about that for a second. What is he saying? He's saying we're all going to be killed by Gideon. That's what he's saying. He's saying this this idea of this loaf tumbling in and hitting the tent and it's striking and turn over and the, and the tent collapse, that's Gideon going to kill us all. Now, you might think, well, how would they know this? Why would they think this? And as has been pointed out by some, it is clear that they must have heard some rumors about Gideon. They must have heard of him, because you don't just you don't just say, well, you know, yeah, uh, we know of Gideon over here, and 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 you know these people are grain farmers, and so that's why we think it's Gideon. No, they must have heard of him. They must have known who he was. He says, "This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian." So. He tells us here that God has the, the, the enemy, the ones who are going to be killed, are saying God has delivered us into his hand. And what, what are they saying? He's going to kill us all. That's what they're talking about. Now, you go back to just a moment. You go back to look at verse 11. He says, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Remember that from verse 11. Now we saw in verse 13 and 14, what are they saying? That Gideon is going to kill us all. Gideon is going to come down because God has delivered Midian in the whole camp. Look at verse 15. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and his interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. So what does he do upon hearing the words? He stops right there and he worships God. This would, you know, what what this meant exactly? I picture in my mind a man who bowed his head to the ground. He prayed to God. He thanked him. And in his prayer, he was giving thanks to God for, for, for what he's done and what he has just heard. Because what has God done? He's fulfilled already what he's still getting he's going to do. You're going to go down. You're going to hear them. And you're going to be encouraged. Your hands are going to be strengthened. Verse 11. He goes down. He hears how they're, how they're all, con how these two men are convinced that Gideon has been sent by God and God has delivered them to their hand and they're all going to die the hand of Gideon. That's what he hears. That's why he worships God there in verse 15. And when he returns back to the camp of Israel, he tells them to do what? Arise for the Lord had delivered the camp of Midian has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Was he strengthened? Most definitely. Was he encouraged? Most definitely. And so he is uplifted. He is strengthened. He is encouraged by what what he hears. Now we look at verse uh, 15. And really here you have the, the fear of Gideon there in verses 9 through 14. Kind of way of heading and then you have next, verses 15 through 18, the preparation for battle. And verses 15 through 18. Now, look at verse 15. The Bible says, And so it was when Gideon heard the telling, uh, well, there is our granny tiger. Good to see you today. Hope you're doing well. Let's look at verse 15. It says, And so it was when Gideon uh, heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. 
um, and, and return to the camp of, of, of Israel and said, Arise, the Lord delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Verse 16, where we left off. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies and put a trumpet in each and every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. So as you look here in Judges 7, verse 16, after Gideon has heard what is taking place, he has heard uh, the the messenger or the, the two companions there in verse 13, how they are convinced that Gideon is going to come and, and kill them all because the Lord has delivered them into their hand. Gideon goes back in verse 15 and tells his tells the camp there of Israel that that's exactly what's going to happen. The Lord has delivered them into his hand. Verse 16, he takes the 300 people that he has and divides them into three companies. Uh, seemingly, we, we believe that to be three groups of 100 people, right? Verse 16, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pictures now there is not a lot uh, that i've seen about why they put torches inside the pictures but if you have 300 men and they're spread out surrounding the camp and they're making as we're going to see in a moment they're going to make a whole lot of noise they're going to shout the camp as we saw before is sleeping right if you back up here just a moment uh, they were lying in the valley, verse 12, which seems like they were resting or possibly sleeping. And so now we find in verse uh, 16, they had divided divide into three companies. They have these torches. They have the empty pitchers. They have the torches inside the pitchers. Uh, and he said to them, verse 17, look at me and do likewise. Watch when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. Follow the leader, right? Do what I, whatever I do, you do the same thing. Verse 18, when I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpet on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Why did he say that? Well, one, because he knew the Lord's with him, right? We back up. We saw already back in verse uh, 15, arise, the Lord delivered the camp of Midian to your hand. He says that. We find verse 13 and 14, a camp of Midian believed that. And we find before that, as we back up even further, um, verse 9, the Lord had told him that, right? And arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. Three ways we know the Lord was with him. And this is why he says here in verse 18, say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And so that's why he says those things, right? Because the Lord is with him, and they're going to do what? They're going to go down, and they're going to overcome this camp. Verse 19. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So what do they do? They, they bash them all together. Can you imagine the sound of 300 pitchers, you know, 300 men being surround, surrounding you, and they have these mass, these pitchers, and they bust them all about the same time. And they all start, start shouting what you do not want to hear as the, as the 
others had mentioned already back in verse 13 and 14, the last thing they want to hear is that Gideon is, is out there because they believe that the Lord has given them into given them into his hand, and he has. And so they, what do they wake up to? What do they get startled awake to? The sound of soldiers shouting the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, the last thing they wanted to hear. And we find in verse 21, Every man stood in his place all around the camp. The whole army ran out and cried out and fled. When the three hundred blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. The army fled to Bathakia, toward Zerah, as far as the border of uh, Abel Mahola, by Tabith. As I said before, I am horrible at pronouncing some of these names, so just roll on with it here. But we find in verse um, 21 what happens, they don't move. The 300 soldiers stand in their place all around the camp. They don't move yet. The whole army, that is the army of Midian, the camp that they have surrounded, ran out and cried, ran and cried out and fled. So what's happening? They're freaking out, basically, right? They don't know what's going on. Verse 22, what happens? When the 300 blew their trumpets, This. so here we're going back a little bit. What happened when they blew their trumpets? The Lord said, every man's sword, who's that? The, the, the soldiers of Midian. Against his companion, means they were actually confused and even attacking one another. And Sheila says here, like a psychological warfare, no doubt. Uh, they're already afraid, clearly, by the uh, by what the companions had said before in verses 13 to 14. And so now we have here, the Lord said, every man sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. So they're, they're confused, there's mass confusion. They're, they're, they're hearing that Gideon is coming, obviously, and... Some are even attacking one another, right? Every, he said every man's sword against his companion there in verse 22. So a massive amount of confusion. Now, if you look at Isaiah chapter 9, if you look at Isaiah chapter 9, you find how great this battle was because it's mentioned yet again in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, looking at verse 4, the Bible says, For ye have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. So they compare this breaking off of the yoke and the staff and the rod and all these things to the breaking of what? To the breaking that happened during the battle of Midian, like what we're talking about here back in Judges chapter 7. <clears throat> now, as we look at verse 23. And so you have the, the initial route, you might say, the routing of the people in verses 19 through 22. You have the preparation for battle, verses 15 through 18. And now we have verses 23 going through about verse 3 of chapter 8. You have the reserved troops that are going to come up. And so this is where the battle begins. So the army is dwindled down to 300. Gideon and his servant, because Gideon was afraid. Uh, takes his servant with him, just as the Lord told him to do if he was afraid. They go down, they hear the companions talking, who are afraid of Gideon. Gideon is encouraged. He goes back, tells his tells the army, uh, the camp of Israel, that the Lord delivered them to his hand, gives them instructions. They go down, they carry out those instructions, and now what happens? The camp of Midian is running. The Bible says in verse 21, the whole army ran and cried out and fled. Not attacked, they fled. They ran away. Now, look at verse 22. Uh, sorry, we just read that. Verse 23. And the men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh, and pursued the Midianites. Now, what happens here in verse 23? 
he summoned the those you might say who are on, on standby, the standby army. Those men who previously had been dis dismissed to take up the pursuit. Uh, the Ephraimites had no part in the original, uh, you might say, mobilization, uh, and were encouraged to seize the Jordan River crossings, and and thereby th thwarting the median escape. Look at verse uh, 24. Uh, he sent, Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize from them the watering places as far as Beth Bara and the Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering places as far as Beth Bara and the Jordan. And they captured two princes, verse 25, the two princes of Midianites, the Midianites, Oreb and Zib. They killed Orb at the rock of, of, uh, of Orb, and Zib they killed at the minepress of Zib. They pursued Midian and brought the heads of Orb and Zib to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. We continue reading here in verse 1 of chapter 8. Now the men of Ephraim said to him, Why have you done this to us by not calling us when you, were, when you went to fight with the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply. So here we have the people complaining. They, uh, the men of Ephraim are complaining because they weren't invited to the initial, you know, they weren't there when they surrounded the camp, right? They wanted to be there, right? Well, you would think anybody anybody would say, well, with that large army, they could have really scared them, and so uh, they could have called, they could have uh, said that they did those things all by themselves. But when you have only 300 people and you scare an army that big enough for it to flee and run away, uh, obviously God is with you. And so that's the reason they weren't there. But they are upset with Gideon, verse 1, and they reprimanded him sharply. Verse 2, so he said to them, what have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the the vintage of, Ab of Abzer? God has delivered you into your delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Orb, and Zib. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? Then their anger toward him subsided when he said that. And so what we find here, he basically tells them to calm down. Look at everything you've done already. Is it not enough? That's what basically he tells them. And we find in verse three, their anger toward him subsided when he said that. Uh, so that's the involvement of the reserve troops, verses 23 through chapter 8, verse 3. Um, we find in verse 4 through verse 12 of chapter 8, the pursuit of the Midianites. The pursuit of the Midianites, verses 4 through 12 of chapter 8. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with him crossed over, exhausted but still in pursuit. Then he said to the men of Succoth, Please give, give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted and I am pursuing as Zephal and Zamuna, kings of Midian. And so here we are in verse 4. You kind of catch up with where they are. They're fighting, right? And we find in verse 4, they were 300 men. Uh, the 300 men who were with him crossed over, exhausted, but still in pursuit. So you have 300 men who are still with him, uh, those original 300 men. They're still going. They're tired, but they're still in pursuit, which tells us they're not stopping, right? I think that's the reason behind that. Verse 5, he asked for, for aid, for food. There in verse 5, from, from the men of Succoth. Verse 6, the leaders of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zamuna now in your hand that we should give bread to you to your army? So Gideon said, For this cause, and the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zamuna into my hand, and I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. Then he went up from there to uh, Penel and, spent, and spoke to them in the same way, and the men of Penel answered him as the men of Succoth answered. So he spoke to the men of Punel, saying, When I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower. So basically saying, You're going to pay for not helping us. The Lord is with us, as we have seen already. They are in massive, they're in the midst of this massive battle. They're rooting out the evil. 
and they're not helping giving them even food. And so that's why he says, when I come back, paraphrasing here, when I come back, I'll deal with both of you, is what he tells them, right? Now, um, look at verse 10. Now, Zemunah and Zamuna were at Karkor, and their armies with them, about 15,000, all who were left of all the army of the people of the east. For 120,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. 120,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. Keep in mind, how, how many did they start out with? What was it, 32,000, then down to 10, and then down to 300? 30, they've, they had wiped out 120,000 men who drew the sword. Anyone who pulled the sword, basically, they killed. 120,000 men. And now what we find, there's 15,000 left there in verse 10. Then Gideon went up by the road of those who dwell in the tents on the east of Noba and Jagabah, and he attacked the army while the camp felt secure. And so it would seem here um, that Gideon now, he chases down these forces. The Mennonites were no doubt... Uh, you might say demoralized, so to speak. Both the size of their remaining force and the distance from the original battle battlefield perhaps uh, contributed to the lack of military discipline. That is, they felt like they were secure, right? Gideon was able to launch another surprise attack. The Midianite army again was routed, and uh, Zabah and, and Zamuna fled. Gideon, however, was able to capture them, as we see in verse going through verse 12. Uh, he pursued them. The two kings, kings of Midian, uh, Zeba and Zamuna, and routed the whole army there in verse 12. Now, we're going to go through here to about verse 26 real quick. Uh, really, we're going to go down to verse 21, and we're going to stop there for our time together today. Uh, in verses 13 uh, through 26, you have three aspects of battle. Uh, you have three um, three dealings with uh, that come with his... Uh, victories. In verses 13 through 17, you had a punishment of two Israelite cities in 13 through 17. You had the ex execution of the two kings, verses 18 through 21. And then you have recognition of Gideon, which we're not going to look at today, verses 22 through 26. So let's go and look at the first two here uh, as we look at the return from battle in verses 13 through 26. Again, the first uh, Sub-point, if you will, being punishment of two Israelite cities, verses 13 through 17. Then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from battle from the uh, ascent of Hears, and he caught a young man of the men of Succoth and interrogated him, and he wrote down for him the leaders of Succoth and its elders, 70 young, 77 men. So we find here, you know, Gideon's pretty, pretty smart. He takes, uh, uh, he caught a young man from Succoth and he has him, he interrogates him and he has him write down the names of all the leaders. Smart move. <laughs> so, for what purpose? To make sure he gets them all. Then he came to the men of Succoth and said, Here are Zeba and Zamuna, about whom you ridiculed me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zamuna now in your hand, that we should give bread to your weary men? And he took the elders of the city, who were they? The 77 men, there in verse 14. He took the elders of the city uh, and thorns of the wilderness and briars, and with them he taught the men of Succoth, as the New King James words it. He taught them. What does that mean? He corrected them. He uh, administered some justice upon them, right? He, he did what he said he was going to do. Verse 17, he tore down the tower of Penel and killed the men of the city. 
it's unclear why he killed those men, but these others he just beat with uh, briars. Could he have killed some of those 70 men of, of there? I don't I don't believe that would be the case. Uh, but he did kill the men here in verse 17. Is this very specific? He killed the men of the city. Um, verse 18, And he said to the men of Seba and Zamuna, What kind of men were they whom he killed at Tabor? So he answered and said, As you are, so we are. Excuse me, as you are, so were they. Each one resembled the son of a king. Then he said, They were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had let them live, I would not kill you. And he said to Jether, his firstborn, Rise, kill them. But you could not draw his sword, for he was afraid, because he was still a youth. He was a young man. He wasn't ready for that. He was afraid. Whatever reason, he was afraid. Verse 21, So Zaba and Zamuna said, Rise yourself and kill us, for as a man is, so is his strength. What a dumb thing to say to Gideon. You think he's not going to just hop up and kill you? Verse 21, So Gideon arose and killed Zaba and Zamuna and took the crescent ornaments that were on their camel's necks. They said, If you're a man, get up and kill us yourself. And he did. What a dumb thing to say to someone, to, to say to Gideon. But that's what they did. They were not the brightest bulbs in the box, obviously. Okay, we are going to stop there. We are over time a little bit as we um, started a little bit late because of our a little bit of technical issues with Facebook. I do thank you for being here with me today. Hope this has been encouraging. Hope you have enjoyed it. And I hope you'll join me again next week as we come back here again at noon for another live Bible study. I hope you have enjoyed it. I hope you'll tell others, and I will see you again next time. We thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting our website, BibleWayMedia.org. You can find all of our podcasts on all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.